Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with... Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Well, you know, it's a new year, so I don't know that anything's super new, but I feel recharged. Um, We always talk about the power of the pause. I clearly needed one um, this holiday season, and I'm grateful for it. That's something I would definitely say. And uh, I think the thing that recharges me the most over break to bring me back is my own children. I love interacting with kids and teachers all the time and seeing um, their energy and excitement. But when it comes to my own two daughters and watching them embrace the wonder of the season, um, it's it's just powerful to see the magic that comes. Uh, for instance, my youngest daughter had her very first holiday concert um, prior to the holidays, and she literally cried tears of happiness the night before. She goes, I get to perform for real live people. And you know, (laughs) right. Um, the first performance, I mean, small children practice all the time in the shower and pretend, and this was her like moment on stage. And granted it was just a kindergarten classroom with some parents and grandparents, but she felt like the queen of the world. And to watch her have that experience or watch my older daughter get so enthralled with just the lighting of lights, or just being able to pick out her own gift for her cousin from the bottom of her heart. It just, it's all those small, tiny moments. It's not getting caught up in all the things, but in the small moments of wonder and, and just seeing that through the kids' eyes. And so for me, that is what lights me up, excites me and brings me back super recharged for the second half of the year, you know, to make it to the next long break and just really be, blazing into the next year and ready for education. So it's just, it's just been a fun season and um, I'm excited to reconnect with educators and with students and be able to um, make all the progress we can in the second half. But it's nice to celebrate the first half, acknowledge, have your moment, and then press forward and be stoked for the second half, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time of year to make all those memories and it kind of fills your bucket up and then time to dive into the next thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, but that moment of savor that we we don't always remember throughout the year of the busyness of, um, I think that moment of savor and pause is just, it's just unbelievably recharging. And so it's just so fun. It's just a fun time of year and it's going to be a good second semester, right? Of course. Courtney, what's going on in your world? What what happened over break for you? What's going on in this new year? Um, just lots of time spending with family, um, time to relax. My brother got a new puppy. Uh, Christmas Day surprise for my nieces. So even oh. teenagers uh, can melt on Christmas morning. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So it was a fun holiday and looking forward to the new year and just hoping that there's no big surprises this year. <laughs> a, a calm second half would be great. Let's just trudge forward, make some progress, make some growth and savor it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Today, we're so lucky to have Lindsay Deacon with us. She is a school improvement coach and professional learning facilitator in Portland, Oregon. She's earned her master's in teaching and master's in education and administration from Concordia University with a focus on urban and diverse school environments. 
Lindsay has worked under Dr. Jim Knight's leadership on his instructional coaching team and on Professor John Hattie's visible learning team at Corwin Press. Welcome, Lindsay. Lindsay, we're so excited to have you here today, and we're excited to pick your brain, share your expertise, and just dive in with you. We've been following you and been in similar circles for a long time, and we finally have you here on C3. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, we are excited, and we just want to dive right in with you. And can you just start with a little bit of your background in education? Tell us how you got where you are today, and also give us a little bit of your definition of what is a coach. We love to hear that from all of our guests. Yeah, I have uh, a traditional and non-traditional background, I think, a little bit in that uh, I came from a family of educators and was like, oh, I also want summers off. So that's why I became a teacher in the beginning and then realized, oh, this is a really hard job. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had a coach as a as a new teacher. And man, I'm so grateful that I had her. And she was trained through Jim Knight's instructional coaching program. So when she was leaving the position years later, I was asked to take that position over, which is how I ended up sort of going out to Kansas to the mothership and getting Jim Knight's instructional coaching training and just realized I suddenly had a passion for coaching pretty early on. And then I went back to the classroom and I think we can all remember like back in the early 2000s that, you know, budgets weren't great and coaches were really being eliminated. So I just did everything I could to learn about coaching on my own and, um, just like at one point, I even sent Jim Knight an email that was like, hey, do you need an assistant or somebody to make your coffee? <laughs> and he got back to me later and was like, you know, if you want to apply to be on my team. And of course I did. And so, yeah, it was just like perfect timing. So I ended up being like really formally trained through Jim Knight and um, being connected with his work over all these years, but then also continuing to coach and go back to the classroom and coach and go back to the classroom. So I could always kind of stay fresh. And in 2020, that crazy 2020 year, uh, I was actually running a coaching program here in Portland, Oregon. And I just, I just could tell coaching was really going to have some trouble. And I went back to the classroom in 2020 just to know what it was like. And, um, man, that was hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then just last year, even I was back in the classroom and now I've left the classroom. And so when I think about coaching and how the definition has evolved, um, because I think at this point there's instructional coaches, there's academic coaches, there's so many different types of coaches, for me, it's just um, like a collaborative partner who would help teachers set and meet goals and just enhance their teaching practices and student achievement. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty basic umbrella term. I love your definition and I love how you bounce back and forth from the classroom and to coaching that you're being able to stay relevant and stay real with your educators and be able to really truly feel what they're living through. I mean, to go back in 2020, how powerful is that to have empathy and understanding? Yeah. And I think even last year when we went back in person, I did, I, I admit that I really underestimated how hard it would be. Like I thought like the rest of us, you know, virtual learning was pretty hard. Distance learning was hard, but once we get back in the classroom, like it'll go back to normal. No, it was like that year, even despite all of my coaching experience or any instructional background I had, like that year broke me. And so I feel like 
I have so much empathy for teachers or really anyone in education because this is a really challenging time. And um, it's, it's just like the things we used to do don't necessarily work this time around. So that being said, I also feel like I look forward to a lot of the new things that people are doing, like really innovative approaches. I think we're going to see that ripple effect post-COVID or I, I forget so. what the new word is now for it's not a pandemic, but it's some other word that I had not heard before. But whatever state of COVID we're in, I'm wondering how long we're going to see these ripple effects. So I give you a lot of credit for running into the classroom as people were running out. Yeah. Well, and I will say, you know, like as coaches, we became teachers because we usually, I mean, most of us, I think we love working with kids. And so I, frankly, it was just really selfish. I just wanted to work with kids again and make myself feel good in a time that was so isolating. So I really, I really believe that the sixth graders I taught that 2020, 2021 year, they like saved me. They made that year really fun. And I learned so much. And like, I feel like th those are some treasured moments for me, even though I was like sitting at this desk at home, <laughs> like it was really fun. And then I could go back and be like, okay, so like my coach brain says this was best practice, but then in reality, this is how it happened, right? Yeah. Cause you kind of had to throw that rule book out for teaching. It was all yeah. brand new. Yeah. So how can coaches prioritize requests, especially, you know, as we're coming into the new year? I know that's something a lot of coaches struggle with um, that have transitioned back into that position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of my very first teaching partners who also became my coaching partner, we wrote the Educoach Survival Guide together. And so I learned this really amazing strategy from her, which is the Eisenhower Matrix. And basically it's, you know, it's not like her idea. She was just like, what, you've never done this before? Let me teach you where you prioritize all the things that are on your plate um, by urgent, non-urgent, important, not important. And what we do is we get like a big piece of paper or a whiteboard and then we write, we just sit down, like set a timer, five minutes and write down on individual sticky notes, all the things that are kind of on your plate in the moment, whether it's teacher requests or you know, even committee meetings or, you know, busy work and then putting them up based on those quadrants and being pretty ruthless about it. You know, like if it's not really important <laughs> to your overall coaching work, you have to find a way to either eliminate it or delegate it. And I would say even as a classroom teacher last year, <laughs> like a giant part of the whiteboard was set aside for my own personal Eisenhower matrix. And the kids would be like, what is that? And I'm like, well, this is how Mrs. Deacon, you know, stays organized and keeps my eye on the prize, you know, and sometimes I'd even have them help me like, what, what can we get rid of? And I think that for coaching, there's so many like urgent busy work requests that we get that we just have to find ways of really aligning our work with what's actually going to have a big impact because it's so easy to just get like lost. It's so powerful to have that lens to look through and to be able to, you actually share that with your students and just 
anyone can be able to create those four quadrants in order to prioritize their life. And sometimes we get so lost in the long list and barrage of things of being able to really be intentional and what are we going to take forward and what's going to make the biggest impact with our teachers or with our students. Yeah, it's funny too, because I had a really great principal. He was so much fun and he was so positive. And sometimes, well, and he was really visible. He was like always coming by and he would just come in and kind of look at my Eisenhower matrix, like on the board. And he'd be like, I think I can help with this or you don't need to worry about that. And I was like, I didn't even have to ask, but just by making it visible, I think, you know, the instructional leader of the building was also helping me prioritize as well. And he then he'd be like, and I should make one. And I'm like, yes, you should. <laughs> the power of the, seeing those things in action and imagine yeah. your students in 15 years being able to make their own matrix and going, I learned this. I learned this way back in the day from my yeah. teacher and I can actually prioritize what's in my life and be able to strategize moving forward because we all get caught in the conundrum of things to get done at various different times. I mean, it's it happens to every person. Yeah, totally. I love the idea of hanging it up somewhere where everyone can see it. I just did this activity with a new admin the other day, but she's part of a team. So I'm wondering like, oh, if we had everyone on the team did it. And they looked at each other's, like, could we move some things onto someone else's plate or totally off? Like, if that doesn't fit the vision of the building. If you do that, you should let me know. I want to know how it goes. (laughs) I've never thought about that, but that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. And take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Take pictures. And I mean, honestly, I can can imagine fifth graders being like, I'll take that off your plate as well. Like, I mean, finding that on all levels of teacher, coach, admin, and -hmm. teachers thanking things off admin. It's it's just powerful being able to be visible in that way. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Lindsay, tell us, as we drill into some more coaching novelties here, what advice would you give to coaches who end up in that friend zone? Um, Mm -hmm. We've read about that with you, and we want to know a little bit more. Yeah, that was actually a scenario that uh, between Angela and I, like, you know, we kind of divvied up who wrote what that was one of mine, because it happened so often, Um, especially when I was a new coach. Well, I went from a building that I taught at to then being the coach. And that was a weird shift as a new coach. Like, nobody really trained me on how to approach relationships differently. So I had a lot of friends. (laughs) And also the role of the coach wasn't really that clear. So I think the first thing is just to really ask yourself if you've got somebody who's kind of in the friend zone and you're not able to get into coaching because you're just too informal or too friendly with each other, is how much do they even really understand the role of the coach first? Um, Because some of them might think that you're just a sounding board or just in passing, like they can just go and kind of like vent and that's what coaching is. And we know that that's not what it is. But uh, I think being really clear about the role for all of staff is important and especially when it comes to the friend zone. And then also do you set coaching agreements with the people you coach? And I highly recommend that when you start working with a teacher, you create coaching agreements because that will really sidestep a lot of the frustrations or confusion that you'll have down the line. Um, And if you have a friend You can even say like, hey, I want to try this new thing. I want to try setting these coaching agreements. I've never done it before. And since we're friends, will you do this with me, right? And I think that asking for their feedback is a really good way to honor their expertise. Um, And Angela and I both, because we were friends in a building and then we were coaches together and we've just spent so much time aligned in our work. 
We absolutely, it's shocking we wrote a book sometimes because we are motor mouths and we laugh so hard. <laughs> and so, you know, we like to think that we'll leverage our relationship together um, in that, you know, you have to actually say like, listen, I really want to tell you this story or like, I've got something really good to tell you later, but right now, can we do this thing? I'm going to set a timer. We're going to work through it. And then um, after the meeting, give me five minutes, you know, because I think it's just really easy if you're comfortable with somebody to get off topic. Yeah. Setting those boundaries up front and kind of being that forward thinker of like, what are my pitfalls I may run into before I begin coaching this person? So important. Mm -hmm. We talked about it a lot in our first season about coaching being isolating. Um, it's kind of how our podcast grew, um, trying to develop that network of coaches. What are some tips for coaches who feel isolated in their job? Yeah. I mean, just like you said, a network is pretty crucial. And I think there is a lot of anecdotal evidence and stories out there, but there's also a lot of research to say that in order to improve our practice or to learn, we need our peers and folks who are in similar roles. So you've got to find somebody, even if it's not in the same district, but just somebody out there who sort of has a similar approach to their role as well. Because you can't go to your teachers, you can't go to your principal to unpack dilemmas. That's weird, first of all. <laughs> and then also that's a confidentiality issue. So um, what I have done, and we recommend this in the book as well, but is to just sit down and like set a timer for five minutes and just visualize what it is that you're really looking for and then maybe journal it out or sketch it because not everybody wants the same thing out of a learning network. You know, like for me, like I like to participate in a lot of things. So I really like in-person retreats, but then also you'll find me a lot on like the Edge of Coach Wednesday night Twitter chat, right? And so I think it's asking yourself like, are you looking for in-person connection? Can it be virtual? Do you want it to be just a conference just to sort of reignite what you've got going on? Or do you want it to be a weekly chat? And really identifying that will then help you start searching for the network you want. So essentially, you got to find your tribe and find your place where you have that yeah. vault of confidentiality so that you can be real and be able to press forward as a, a well-versed coach and being able to process your own things. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I know that there are coaches out there who would like to start their own book studies. Even if you only have two other people, a three-person book study can still be really meaningful. You don't need 30 people. You just need a couple of friends. and um, Or you can host learning walks at your building. You know, there's a lot of opportunities that don't have to be super structured. So just be creative and take the lead. I love that thought and that it's, if you need a tribe, reach out and find your tribe and you can build that in various different capacities according to your needs. I love that thought. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you start a podcast like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and we've, we've been waiting for you for a long time. We just love that during that time of EduCoach and so on, we were able to connect and, and find these different people in our own tribe. So uh, Courtney and I can be an example with C3 of just yeah. reaching out and throwing an email. Maybe no one responds and maybe they show up on the podcast and give beautiful insights. Totally. <laughs> well, Lindsay, we have talked a lot on our podcast um, in recent years, and you touched on it earlier about the time of COVIDs and going back and forth from the classroom and coaching. But um, we know you have also done a lot of research around teacher retention. 
what are some ways that coaches can help support that retention of teachers? Um, whew. well, I will just say not just from my own single experience the last couple of years, but also, I mean, most of my friends are also educators and this is a really challenging time. It's, I mean, it's dark out there. And, um, I think the most important thing that coaches can do is just be listeners and really listen to the story that teachers are telling because it can be overwhelming and isolating in the classroom at the same time. And in 2020, when I knew I was going back, I was panicked. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I did not feel prepared in the slightest to teach distance learning. And you know, it's wild to think, but I'd been out of the classroom so long. I even, I didn't know how to request a substitute if we were going to have them. I didn't know how to take attendance. There were, I felt like a new teacher all over again. So the first thing I did was reach out to a coach that I had trained and was like, will you please be my coach? And she agreed. And, you know, every week I knew in the back of my mind that she was going to listen to me and validate my experience and provide resources when I really needed them, but wouldn't overwhelm me with them. And I think just making the space to allow me to verbally process what was going on in my room really also contributed to that year being super successful. Then this last year, when I went back in person, there was no coach for me. And I, all year, I just kept thinking, I need a coach. Like I need a coach in order for me to be better. And without that, I felt extremely limited. Now, not every teacher is going to know or feel that way, but I think that a great coach really does make the time and space to just say that what's on your mind and let, let people kind of talk. And then they funnel that conversation with good questions so that by the end, the teacher feels like, A, they got some of the most pressing business out, but then they also have a plan for what they want to do next. The ability to, to let teachers know that you're there and to listen is just so powerful because sometimes asking, how are you? Like, how really are you? And then you kind of have this long conversation and you can go into those next steps. How can we problem solve together? How can we work through that? And that you're not alone through it. Yeah. And also, I mean, especially because I felt like a new teacher all over again. And how, you know, how do you collect data in distance learning? And there were just so many, I had such a big learning curve. And she had such a great way of helping me really strategically like collect real data on student achievement and student engagement in ways that I never would have come up with on my own. So really having her as a collaborative partner mattered so much to me. And it really hammered in like, yeah, we all need coaches. We need good coaches. I've heard that line throughout your entire interview is it's what Courtney and I go back to. We've done it for many years now is every coach needs a coach. And it's not every coach, every educator, admin, teacher, coach, yeah. paraprofessional. It doesn't matter where you lie in the system. You need a coach and you started with a coach and therefore you don't know how to live without a coach. I don't. And so whether <laughs> I'm the same way, I, I can sit here and shout out Jill Date's name all day long. I've had her for all of my 16 years yeah. of education and you clearly have bounced from coach to coach, but you need that sounding board. You need that collaborative partner and you know the power of it. So I appreciate you illuminating that to our listeners again. Yeah. And that leads into our next question. Um, We talk a lot about teacher retention, but I want to talk a little bit about how we support the retention of coaches and how we can help them reignite their spark. 
Yeah. Um, so if you find any good research on this, I please pass it my way because I have spent <laughs> so much time in the last six months trying to find hard numbers on coach retention or coach attrition, and I can't find it. We have a lot of anecdotal stories across the nation of coaches quitting after a year, or maybe they had been a really experienced coach. And then in 2020, 2021, they were like, uh, I can't do this anymore. Because a lot of the issues like substituting in classrooms or not really getting to not really getting to the actual business of coaching was interfering with the satisfaction of being a coach. And, um, you know, I really I empathize with that as well. And a lot of those days when I was with students, I remember thinking, I really have a lot of gratitude that I have a network because if I was home coaching, I don't know what network I would have. And so again, I think it goes back to like journaling or planning, making a T-chart of what do you really love about your role? What do you really love about coaching and identifying that as well as also identifying like, what do you hate? What do you dread? And sort of almost like having two columns right? Like, what do you, what do you love? What do you not love? Because I think even in a coaching role, there are different things that I might love versus what you might love. And I think if you're clear about, you know, the positive part, then you can also start to really intentionally think, how do you align your day-to-day work with the, what you love about your job and try as best you can to eliminate some of that, like, what do you dread about your work? Or even take it to your principal and be like, listen, I'm not having I'm not having a good time. And I made this list and this is what I really love about the job. Can you help me get closer to that? I mean, what principal wouldn't want their coach to be more involved in coaching and really be satisfied? I think that's that's such a big part of it. Um I also I think a lot of a lot of different educators do this. They put together like a portfolio of just like artifacts that kind of make them feel good, whether it's like you know, meaningful thank you emails from teachers, or if it's, um, you know, like evidence of data that their influence helped uh, student achievement, or even like feedback from a successful PLC or something along those lines. And I think like, if you put it together, and you've got a tangible portfolio, it really does sort of remind you that your role is really important, and that you have been selected for that role for a reason. That's our supervisor always comes back to that. Know your impact. Um, He's constantly asking us like how stop and think about how you're impacting educators. And it's that ripple in the pond effect. We don't always stop and measure or look at that. Yeah. A coach just, I think it was last week told me that she calls it a smile file. And I was like, I'm going to steal that. That's a good one. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So create a smile file. (laughs) A smile file. I've, I've seen like teachers even have a warm fuzzy folder, right? Yeah. So it's a smile file for coaches, even better. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Lindsay, you have been unbelievably, remarkably real. And we appreciate that about you of being real and candid and giving us your radical candor about the last few years, because not everything has been easy, but also we have all lived through it together and we're coming out the other side stronger with new resources and new skill sets. And so we're so appreciative of you sharing all of those nuggets with us. 
We are going to shift now to that rapid fire questions, which are roughly 30 seconds or less, which we rarely get in that time frame. But please start by telling us um, where we can learn from and with you. Please tell us what's coming down the pike and um, what we can get excited about with Lindsay. Yeah, well, I mean, you can always follow me on Twitter, the real Lindsay Deacon two as in number two, or you can just search us the Educoach survival guide on Instagram or Twitter. We try to put a lot out there. Um, we're also publishing an expanded second edition of our survival guide. We're self-publishing, so maybe it'll be out in the spring. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're kind of letting it evolve. We're pretty close, but, um, so the second edition will be out. And then we've been putting out some like teasers on our website, um, or on Twitter. So just look us up on Twitter and you'll be able to find some of the, the unpublished materials. I know everyone will be racing there very shortly and tell us, share with us, what is your tagline or bumper sticker for coaching? Okay. I knew this immediately because very recently, um, my buddy, Kenny McKee, who wrote compassionate coaching, uh, we, I don't know what we were talking about. We were talking about coaching and we are both huge lost fans and like from back in the day. And there's a character on lost John Locke who says, who are we to tell anyone what they can or can't do? So it's like, it's like a gif. I'm just putting it on everything. Oh, I love it. It gives me chills. And we love Kenny McKee. Go back and yeah. listen to the episode with Kenny. He is unbelievable. And we're so glad to be part of all of your network. Oh my goodness. We're just, we're very blessed to be here. And Lindsay, I'm just one more, one more little nugget from you. What is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? I'm a, my superpower is I'm a job coach. How about that? That's a nice way to say it. You know, those people who just aren't happy uh, because I really believe that everybody's meant for something important. And if you're not satisfied, like, why are you here? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yes, reignite the spark. But also, I really believe that I've helped people find other careers that are much more meaningful. Absolutely. And if you don't love it, absolutely. And if you don't get up to be there and be with the yeah. kids, then that's a hard place to be. We want everyone to be happy and be in their best space to be Mm -hmm. the most impactful as possible, right? Yeah. Oh, you have been unbelievably fantastic. We appreciate stealing your time and we are so excited to share you with everyone everywhere. So we hope that we can continue connect in the future, Lindsay. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Lindsay shared so much insight into coaching. One of her core messages was find your tribe, find your people. Who can you rely on? Can you reach out to a coach? And everyone needs coaching. Who might you help coach? And who can you reach out for some coaching? Thanks for listening to another episode of C3. Follow us on Twitter. And now you can follow us on Instagram at C3 Coaches. Thanks for listening. C3. Connecting. Coaches. Cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?